The introit of today's Mass quotes the prophet Daniel. All that thou hast done to us, O Lord, thou hast done in true judgment. And in the offertory verse from the book of Psalms, it says, Upon the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Upon the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept. This image of the Israelites in exile during that awful Babylonian captivity has always struck me because it more or less it depicts the life of every man and especially of our own times. Now the Israelites during that captivity, it says in the Psalms that they hung up their harps and their musical instruments on the tree and then went down to the riverbank to weep. They longed for the promised land but were held in bondage in some foreigner's land. And so it is for the Catholic who has been exiled from his churches ever since Vatican II, and so it is also for the faithful who seeing all the evils of this world, long for heaven, the promised land, but must remain in exile upon earth, waiting for the day that our Lord comes. The year 2020 gave us, you might say, a perfect vision and enabled us to see that this world is far from being a paradise or a promised land and it showed, a, showed us that this world is not our lasting home. I listed some of the more important events, this is not an exhaustive list, of events that occurred since the beginning of 2020. Bear with me, but it's interesting, it's almost amazing how we've been able to make it through these things. There was, of course, COVID, and then the jabs, and the loss of jobs for those who refused the jab. Then there was the closing of churches and of businesses, travel restrictions, economic disasters leading to the talk of inserting chips inside your hand. And they actually put that into practice in some places. The closing of mega banks, the sick, being locked up in nursing homes and hospitals with no one allowed to visit them, riots and fraudulent elections and the protests that ensued, I think automatically of Brazil and United States and Belarus, there were others I'm sure, then the Russia and Ukrainian conflict and all the corruption that we're still talking about. Immigrants either sent by others or on their own flooding into different countries illegally, not just here, but France, which was once a Catholic country, is now overrun by Islamists, and so is Germany. The FBI spying on especially the traditional churches, the departure of the military from Afghanistan, which in itself wasn't a bad idea, but it left a lot of damage. And then there was Brexit, 
talk about artificial intelligence, false flag after false flag, the repression of the truth on all platforms, and uh, tensions between U.S. and China, and then U.S. and Russia, and then, of course, the usual talk about population control and climate change. With such global instability and such division among not only nations and rulers, but among the common people in all aspects of life, well, war was inevitable. And it should have been no surprise that this war should break out in the East, especially Israel. Israel has always been the focus, even from Old Testament times, and certainly during the New Testament times, at the focus of all eyes. And now all eyes have once more been shifted to the East. You've doubtless heard it, the narrative, which is once more turned into some sort of political message. You must support Israel if you're a conservative, else you're a leftist, or else you're in favor of genocide, the killing of innocent women and children. You must take a side, the media tells you. And once more, we are being told how we must think, what we must believe by the same media that has been lying to us since 2020 and before, and how quickly we forget. I hope, though, now that you've had a week, a week's time to hear out the media, the politicians, and both foreign and domestic, that you'll at least give me a few moments of your time. I'm your pastor. I have no political agenda. I'm not seeking, for, seeking any monetary gain, but I simply want to help you to sort of give you a guiding hand through all of this confusing and very important time. But first know this, I do not take a side in the war for either side. They are both evil and corrupt. And furthermore, the war between the Arabs and the Israelites have been going on ever since the Old Testament and into the New, and they continue today. It is all one long war. They just look for excuses anymore why to attack once again. I do not view this war as merely a political issue, but one which necessarily involves the question of religion. And throughout this sermon, when I'm speaking of the Jews, I am not speaking of them as a people or a nation. They deserve charity, just as every other human being. But I speak of them as a religion. The war at present is taking place in the Gaza Strip. It's a small area of land, really, which has for years been a source of tension between the Arabs and Israelites. Nearby, 
the Gaza Strip, very close in the western banks, are our holy sites, the place where our Lord was born, the cave where St. Jerome, <clears throat> Jerome lived. It is believed to be the place where Aaron's sons are buried. So this war between Israel and the Arabs is essentially this, a religious war over who gets to have control over the holy lands. For both the Arabs and the Israelites, this land has religious significance for their, their respective religions, and they have always fought to keep it. And I say this sort of parenthetically because this, this next part, it gives us an idea of where our thoughts should be at present on this matter. Pope St. Pius X, he was once approached by a Jewish man and was asked to support the Jews moving back to Jerusalem. And this is what, he, what Pope Pius X answered to him. First of all, he made it clear that this is not a personal matter because the Catholic Church has always protected the Jews in times of persecution. But for him, it was a matter of religion. This is the quote, not the full quote, but the meat and potatoes of it. He said, we therefore are not able to favor this movement. We cannot prevent the Jews from going to Jerusalem, but we could never sanction it. The ground of Jerusalem, if it were not always sacred, has been sanctified by the life of Jesus Christ. So as head of the church, I cannot answer you otherwise. The Jews have not recognized our Lord, therefore we cannot recognize the Jewish people. And so if you come to Palestine and settle your people there, you will, we will be ready with churches and priests to baptize you all. That is how a leader should speak. And this is how the, the light that the war should be viewed in. There's also been much talk about this war becoming a World War III. It does have all the hallmarks of it, but only God knows for sure. We leave that to his mercy, to his providence. But I've been thinking reading up on the church fathers and the different prophecies, that perhaps, too, this event will be what leads to the rebuilding of the temple. Get rid of the Arabs, and they'll have the land to themselves, and now they can build their temple an event which many of the fathers of the church say will happen in the times of Antichrist. For remember that the Antichrist is the ape of Christ. Just as Christ gathered a people to himself in the faith, so the Antichrist will gather together a scattered people back to Israel. 
And what better thing to flock to than the Jewish temple? Now, many will laugh. Many of you will scoff and call it just more crazy conspiracy things. And you'll brush it off, as we have for years, saying that, well, generations of Catholics have been saying this, and nothing's ever come of it. Perhaps. But I will say this, that never before have all the conditions for the laying of the groundwork for the coming of Antichrist fallen into place. The gospel has been preached to the entire world. Israel has once more become a state back in 1947 or 8. And then the great apostasy has happened of which St. Paul foretold. And then we must look at these things too. The whole world right now, not just the United States, the whole world, political, religious, and otherwise, has been turned upside down. Morals have reached an all-time low. And Christ says this of the times of Antichrist, that it will be as in the days of Noah, where there is much corruption. And also remember, Noah, when he was building the ark and telling people what was to come, he was called a madman. He was mocked until the day came and the rains engulfed the whole earth. And we mustn't forget, during all of this political strife, we mustn't forget the Jewish notion of the Messiah. For them, the Messiah will be a political leader, a sort of political savior. Remember what the apostles said, after so many years with our Lord, still the apostles asked this question, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And then his followers, after our Lord had worked miracles, tried more than once to make him a king. And the chief priests, the Pharisees, rejected our Lord because he taught of a spiritual rather than a political kingdom. And so they put him to death. And they're still to this day expecting a political messiah. Some of the church fathers say that the Antichrist will come at a time when the whole political and economic world is, has fallen apart. Because the Antichrist is a political savior, he will come back and he will somehow fix it. And then he will, be, he will gain the applause of everybody, so to say, and then the persecutions begin. All I'm saying is this. Keep your eyes opened. Pray to the Holy Ghost, the Mother of Good Counsel, to guide you. Remember that all this has been prophesied, and all the events that have taken place in the last few years, especially now with the war, have all the hallmarks, all the signs of being the last preparations for the arrival of Antichrist.
So think of that before you just swallow the narrative that you hear on the news. Wars and rumors of wars, our Lord tells us. But Christ tells us, when you hear of these things, do not be alarmed, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He then goes on to recommend to us the virtue of patience. He tells us that there will be so many trials and tribulations, we will, be, we will feel so overwhelmed and loaded down with crosses that the charity of many will grow cold. Has that already begun to happen to you? Through all these things, remember that God is a loving Father whose wisdom guides all things, he numbers the hairs of your head, and he knows your needs. So how are you to act during this time of great war? One, be patient, be forgiving, and more than ever, be merciful to others. Don't let your heart grow embittered towards the injustice that others cause. Secondly, make acts of reparation to our loving God who is already so much offended. Sin is the cause of war. If you want to get rid of war, do your penance. And thirdly, keep your eyes heavenward. We are exiles who upon the rivers of Babylon sit and weep as we remember the heavenly Sion. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.